You're listening to KTDTLP Tucson, Downtown Radio 99.1 FM. You are listening to The Depression Session at 99.1 FM, Downtown Radio. Each week, we'll have a new guest tell the story of their depression. I'm your host, Laura Milkins, and thank you for joining us on The Depression Session. Just a note for my listeners, I want to make sure you understand that this is a show about depression, and some of the content can be triggering, so please take care of yourself if something on the show brings up difficult feelings, and seek professional help if you need it. Thank you. Hello, and welcome to The Depression Session on Downtown Radio. Today we have with us in the studio Amy Weintraut. Amy is the founder of Life Force Yoga and the author of Yoga for Depression and Yoga Skills for Therapists. For more information and resources, go to yogafordepression.com. We'll be right back with Amy, but first, let's talk about inflammation. I told you guys a couple weeks ago that I was doing really great. I'd gone to Oaxaca and had a fabulous experience with my students. Just such a beautiful way to see a foreign country, something hopeful and youthful. And they were so excited. And it really put me on this wonderful high coming back to the States. And I immediately got sick. I don't know if it's all the recycled air and the flights that took us like 12 hours of flying or what, but I I came down with a cold. And I don't know if you guys remember, but I did have a cold before and I felt ill. (laughs) And it went on. And the problem is it feels just like depression. You hole up, you get some hot tea, get in bed. And other than the other flu symptoms of headache and things like that, it it puts me in a place where I feel depressed again, and it's really hard for me to get out of it. Well, there's some new research that's really interesting on inflammation and depression. So from Psychology Today, The Surprising Psychology of the Common Cold, new research shows just how bad cold and flu season can be for your psyche. And this was posted February 2nd, 2015 from Marilyn Way, MDJD. Illnesses like flu or the common cold can closely mimic and cause depressive symptoms by activating your immune response and inflammation in your body. Our immune and neurologic and psychological systems are closely intertwined. When there is a foreign invader in your body, like the influenza virus, your cells produce pro-inflammatory cytokines, non-antibody proteins that activate and organize your body's immune response. These chemical proteins circulate through your body and communicate with your brain, which in turn produces its own cytokines. These brain cytokines lead to fever, fatigue, depressed mood, lack of appetite, lack of motivation, social withdrawal, poor concentration, and altered sleeping patterns. In other words, The physical sickness caused by the inflammation response significantly overlaps with depressive symptoms. A recently published study in JAMA Psychiatry adds important evidence on the link between depression and inflammation. Researchers compared the positron emission tomography scans of 20 people diagnosed with a current major depressive episode with 20 healthy control patients. They measured a protein density known to be associated with neuroinflammation. That's the translocated protein density measured by distribution volume. I know, a lot of big words, but... The levels of protein density measuring neuroinflammation were significantly elevated in all three brain regions that they examined, 26% higher in the prefrontal cortex, 32% higher in the anterior cingulate cortex, and 33% higher in the insula. 
further higher levels of this protein density and presumably neuroinflammation in the ACC were associated with increased severity of depression. This study helps to shed light on neuroinflammation as a potential pathway for depression. It also helps explain why when you come down with the flu, you might also feel like you caught the blues too. So I know that's a lot of scientific information, but I really wanted to share this because I think it's interesting and there, that the inflammation that you get based on being sick is very similar to depression. And in fact, treating inflammation can be a way of treating depression. And the links between those they're finding are very close. So my feeling of blue when having a cold is not unusual. And in fact, they may even be related. And so for anybody out there who has also caught this miserable cold going around Tucson, Arizona, I hope that you, you know, hold up, get some hot tea, get under the covers, get better and do some nice breathing exercises, maybe Amy, <laughs> uh, and feel better. Looking for a medical marijuana dispensary with a knowledgeable staff, clean environment, and wide selection of edibles, concentrates, and flour? Then you need to know about the Prime Leaf and their newly relocated dispensary. Now in its new home at Speedway in Columbus, the Prime Leaf is a compassionate, client-centered choice for your medical marijuana needs. You can visit their website, theprimeleaf.com, or follow them on social media to find out more about specials, discounts, and their higher rewards program. You're invited to stop in seven days a week to see for yourself at 4220 East Speedway. Support for Downtown Radio comes from Elliott's on Congress. Open 11 a.m. to 2 a.m. every day. Elliott's strives to put a unique spin on comfort food, featuring unique dishes such as the Duck Club Sandwich, Bacon Rangoons, and Penne Alla Vodka. Additionally, Elliott's features 25 flavors of house-infused vodka, including pineapple, horseradish, ginger, peppercorn, and coffee bean. Brunch mimosa specials are also available at Elliott's on weekend mornings. There's karaoke every Wednesday night, plus Elliott's has access to every major league baseball game. Elliott's is located at 135 East Congress Street. For more information, you can check out their website, elliottsoncongress.com, Facebook page, or call 622-5500. So today we have with us in the studio, Amy Weintraub. Amy is the founder of Life Force Yoga and author of Yoga for Depression and Yoga Skills for Therapists. For more information and resources, go to yogafordepression.com. Hello, Amy. Welcome to the Depression Session. Why, thank you, Laura. I'm happy to be here. I'm so honored to have you on the show. Do you have anything you want to share with our viewers today? Well, before we started, you said I could share anything. Anything. So <laughs> I'll tell you what I'm most excited about right now is that Rose Crest, whom you've had on your show, purchased Life Force Yoga Healing Institute, the training institute, which has given, so she's taken away a lot of the admin that I had to do. I still teach in all of our trainings, but... Uh, she's taken away that that admin time, and I've been I'm back to writing fiction. And the good mm. news about that is that for many many years I was a depressed fiction writer. And for those of you who are artists, you understand that on some level there's often this sense of tying in your art into your angst. Tolstoy, I think it was, wrote that happy families are all alike, so that's why I never write of them. So there, there's, as a writer, being depressed was really part of the 
whole ambiance of that of, of what I did. And so to be coming down, back to fiction from the other side, from a place of not being depressed, of being basically even in temperament and having the normal ups and downs that are a response to life, not a reaction to life, but more of a response to life, but not in that, you know, dysthymic depression or major depression or an, uh, that, you know, inability to get up and out of bed or off the couch. So coming from a place of balance to back to writing fiction is very exciting to me. And it reminds me of, you know, that poem that I don't know if you did, but when everybody in my generation studied in high school, uh, Wordsworth's Tintern Abbey, which has in it a recollection um, emotion recollected in tranquility. It is possible to write about the dark side because it's not just happiness. It, happiness does not make for good fiction. We want to be able to mine those rocky places, those harder places, those darker places to write good fiction. And so to be able to do that from a place of tranquility is very exciting to me. That's wonderful, actually, and a good insight because I've, I went through many years of art making on top of the world and not feeling the least depressed at all. And then in the last several years, being depressed and making artwork. And I, I know there's sort of a connection for a lot of people between the blues and creative expression. And I think it's true that expressing yourself creatively when you are down is very helpful, but they don't, they're not mutually exclusive. You don't have to be depressed to be creative. (laughs) And it's wonderful to make work when you're not because you have all this energy. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you know, for writers, there's the Hemingway model. I mean, he had to drink himself into the trance to write fiction. And I think there is something about being in touch with the collective unconscious when you're creating art, whether it's painting or music or writing. And for most of us, there's a kind of trance state that happens. And it's not, it's, it's actually akin to a spiritual state as I mm-hmm. see it. But for so many people for so long, they thought they had to use substances in order to get there. And, you know, what I love about yoga is that we can find our way into those those moments of receptivity so that the creativity flows through us. And it's not about us. I mean, the ego is out of the way and the story or the form or the paintbrush, you know, the art flows through us because we've cleared that internal space with our practice. And there are many ways to practice, uh, you know, through breathing exercises, through, as you alluded to, through mantra, through meditation, through movement. Um, As long as we're staying present to what's arising in the physical body as we're moving, then it's like a meditation in motion and it clears the space for for connection. So whether it's connection to the senses of the divine 
or connection to the story you're writing or the art that you're creating, yoga can be that vehicle. Beautiful. So, Amy, tell us the story of your depression. Well, I think I, I, I had a rocky start for sure. I came out of the womb after 72 hours of labor my mother was in. So she had a, a rough time of it. And I think today they would have done a C-section, but I was forceps delivered. So I was bruised and sort of misshapen. And my mother says I was a, an ugly baby. And uh, she she was had been a model in New York. And so appearances meant a lot to her. And she was very young when she gave birth to me. I was her first. And I think there was some difficulty there in that early primary relationship. And thank God I had, you know, others. I had a grandmother who was, uh, who loved me unconditionally. I had a next-door neighbor who was childless and loved me unconditionally. But there were, there was a, uh, you know, there was something not quite good enough in my relationship with my mother. So whether you call it that, or whether you, you look at uh, biochemistry, and of course we know that the biochemistry changes based on relationship. You take a baby rhesus monkey away from its mother, and then serotonin level goes down in the baby monkey. So which comes first, the chicken or the egg? So then there was also some childhood trauma. You know, I want to make sure that I get to, at some point in this story, the gifts I've been given through all of this. But right now, let me just stick with, you know, the rocky start. Anyway, I I was, you know, I functioned okay in grade school. I felt a little different, a little weird. Um, I was the one who was always, like, dancing and getting sort of taken away by the dance or... In, I would go into trance state easily, and I think that that was probably, you know, from a from a uh, psychological standpoint, it might be viewed as some sort of disassociative behavior. I would sort of take myself out, and and I had good reason to do that. So there was that part. There was depression. There was postpartum after I gave birth to my daughter. There was a marriage and a divorce that was really challenging. So there was situational depression. And I ended up um, in a pretty major depressive episode in my late 20s. And then uh, on medication, various kinds of medications, and and in, in therapy for, oh, I don't know, eight, nine years, and I had a therapist, and I tell a little bit about this story in my first book, Yoga for Depression, in the first chapter. I had a therapist who was also my psychiatrist, and she told me I was one of those people who would always have empty pockets, which was kind of a blanket statement. And she, But, you know, when you are in a therapeutic relationship with someone, um, you have that transference. I loved her. And so what she said carried a lot of weight for me. So one day after I had started yoga, and I started yoga up at Kripalu, I had been meditating on and off for many years, but I still had depression. 
Um, so I started uh, yoga up at Rapallo, and, and at that time I lived in Newport, Rhode Island. There were no yoga teachers in the area. Um, this was back in the late 80s. So I would bring home, uh, at that time, what, what those cassette tapes and audio, videotape cassettes and, and practice at home along with that, those resources. And uh, I started feeling better and better. And I, you know, after about eight or nine months of practice, at that point there was no, no real, not a lot of research and no popular notion that yoga might be a way of healing from depression or of managing it in a, a, a healthier way. So I started feeling really better and better. And I was driving across the Newport Bridge, listening, listening to the famous psychologist, Gene Houston, who was a wonderful teacher in California. And she was leading, I had a little audio cassette in my van, and she was leading a, uh, an exercise on visualizing and naming yourself, letting your name bubble up from within. And I'm, my eyes are half closed. I wouldn't recommend this to anybody, but I'm driving across the bridge. And the name that bubbled up for me was Abundance. Like I named myself Abundance. And this was maybe eight, nine months after I'd been doing a daily yoga practice. And I thought to myself, well, wait a minute. I'm supposed to be one of those people who would always have empty pockets. And yet I'm feeling so abundant. And it was at that point that I went to my therapist slash psychiatrist and said, I think I'm, you know, I'm wondering about the need for this medication. I'm really feeling good. And she was reluctant to take me off the medication. She saw me through the lens of her medical model as someone she'd finally stabilized on this medication. And so she didn't want to do it. And so I, again, as reluctantly went to a friend's psychiatrist, terminated with my original psychiatrist, went to a friend's psychiatrist and asked, uh, and then started seeing him and saw him for several months. And he said, I don't see you as a candidate for this medication. And so very slowly, he titrated me off that medication. I continued my daily practice. And that was in 1989, and I have not been on medication since. And initially, met my practice was really my medicine, and it was some. Now, I who knows? It's my medicine, but it's so much more than medicine. It's my way of being deeply and intimately connected with my sense of the divine, with others, with. My create with the creative, unconscious, you know, artist within, you know, with myself, with those I love. It's it opens my heart, it opens my mind, and I feel good. And I want to say that the the rough start and the pain and all of that that I experienced. And, and the reason why is this is not, I don't believe in Pollyanna story, you know, smile though your heart is breaking. In fact, once I was off medication and doing my daily practice, I sometimes cried more than I did when I was on medication. Because when I was on medication, I was numb. 
um, whether it was from the depression or I just didn't feel anything. And I would cry, but I would look down on myself and say, Amy, what a big heart you have that you can feel. And immediately I was in this bigger, more spacious place. And the crying was coming from a place of authentic feeling. So it's not that I don't feel. I feel things deeply. And I have tears. You know, every other day or so there's tears. But they're, they can be tears. Gratitude, joy. I'm listening to something on NPR that moves me. I just, I just tear up. And it's a response to life. And it doesn't mean that I'm rocked from my center. And even when I, 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 I'm no longer seeing people one-on-one, -on -one, which I did for many years in Tucson, because I'm traveling internationally to teach and train. But when I did, I, some people put like white light around them to, in order to work with people who have a lot of trauma history. And I would just feel like so connected and I would feel in love with whomever I was working with, not in a, you know, sexually intimate way, but just that love, that open hearted place. And I would feel so that tears would roll down my face sometimes when I was teaching or when I was working with them. And, and yet they would leave. And they would take whatever their issues were with them. And I could clear my space, breath, and I would feel good. So the one thing I just want to say quickly, I know we're almost out of time with story, but is that one of the gifts, you know, that I mentioned that dissociative tendency of going into trans states as a child. I think the gift was two, two things. One, it made me the artist I am today, the writer. And two, I like to think that that's a channel that, and in fact, Roger Wolger, who was the Jungian psychologist I briefly studied with in the late 80s, said something similar in one of his books, that, that when we have suffered trauma, it creates that channel that we have the ability to transcend, to reach those other states that someone like yoga, uh, Yogi Paramahansa Yogananda talked about in Autobiography of Yogi, those seven states of realms of consciousness that most of us in ordinary consciousness don't get a chance to experience unless we're doing a lot of practice, you know, in an ashram or a monastery. So it's, it creates, and that what yoga does it gives us a way to channel those states so that we are in control of them, that we have access to those states, those creative states. They don't control us. They don't numb us out. I think I'm done with my story, Laura. <laughs> Great. Thank you so much for your story. I just wanted to comment on a couple of things in there that really hit home for me, which is I am an artist. And when I was little, my parents used to tease me with Earth to Laura, come in, Laura, because I'd, I'd go into other worlds and was always drawing or caught up in whatever I'm doing. And it was definitely seen as a negative, but it's a huge positive as an artist to, to be able to enter into that space where you you don't feel like you're creating, you feel like it's coming through you. Yes, exactly, exactly. I was just writing about, I was writing a scene in the novel I'm reading about, reading right now, 
but it comes from later life. And when I was five years old, I was in kindergarten, and I we were all coloring at that little coloring area at the table, you know, the little chairs around table and coloring, coloring, coloring. All of a sudden, I'm getting yelled at, and the teacher is pulling my arm and yanking me into the other room because I did not hear her tell everybody it was story time and it was time to put away your crayons. And I got in trouble because of that, that, that ability. That gift that was viewed in, you know, kindergarten as not paying attention, of being earth to Laura kind of thing. (laughs) And depending on the teacher, that could be something that they appreciated and encouraged, and it could be something that they saw as negative, and I definitely had both experiences. Yes. Yeah. And with, with people in general, you do want to be connected to the world around you and be present. I mean, there's always that about being present to things. But there's also the the idea that you would use either yoga or meditation, which of course is part of yoga or creative expression to tap into those spaces. And I actually, another childhood memory came up when you're talking, which is when I was, I was a child of the seventies and I used to watch Miss Lily on PBS who would do yoga. Uh, Lilius, yes. Yes. And That's I Lilius. loved her. I loved her. I used yeah. to, you know, I think of myself at like four or five, six years old doing yoga on P- with PBS. <laughs> <laughs> Well, my daughter is working on, she's also an artist, she's a dancer, choreographer, singer, composer, but she's also in a very uh, kind of rigid set community, I won't go into that, that's a whole other story, but her PhD that she's working on now is around divergent thinking. And, she, mm-hmm. and the research shows that it really only takes one experience. Like I had a lot of, you know, put downs for my spaciness. Yeah. But it takes one really positive teacher or neighbor or someone to really acknowledge and see you as that creative uh, child and say yes to you. And you have that experience and it can really help overcome some of the negative, more rigid thinking responses we get as children. And uh, thank goodness there's things like Montessori schools and, you know, a lot more creative understanding and the need for that, except in some public schools where kids aren't even allowed to dress anymore. I know. Um, It seems like they keep taking out, to me, what is the one of the most important things about childhood education, which is art and music and yeah. dance and recess. <laughs> and I, I wouldn't have made it, you know. And, and what you said also makes me interested in, like, I'm an art professor on a college level, and my students are not art students. I teach at Pima, and most of them are. I always have a couple of art students, but the majority of my class are students who are taking it for a gen ed requirement. And... Mm-hmm. Over and over again, you changed my life, you opened my world, I see things differently. And I think I get those kind of comments because you don't have to be a child to have someone say yes to you, to say yes to your creative side. And it's never too late. I always tell people, like, people say, oh, I can't draw. And I said, have you taken a drawing class? 
Well, no. Well, you could take one and then you would bet you could draw. <laughs> well, that's interesting. You know, one of my CDs uh, that's available on the website is called, it's, it's a life force yoga bhavana, which means guided imagery, but it's saying yes to yourself. And there are, I mean, some people with histories of trauma and a lot of depression really didn't have that person saying yes to them. And so it takes you through this whole visualization of a being. It can be a four-legged being, a divine being. It could be someone from your grandparent. And you're visualizing being that creative child and having that being come into your life and saying yes to you. And it, it, you know, it culminates in some writing and some, it can be a very moving experience for people, um, to really say yes to their creative self and to, to what their dharma or their, their life's calling is. Wow. That is a beautiful way to end this show. Amy, thank you so much for being on the depression session. It's been so much fun, Laura. It hasn't been depressing at all. <laughs> I, and I hope your cold gets better really fast. <laughs> Thank you. I want to mention again that if you found some of the content of today's episode triggering, please seek professional help and call 911 if you feel like hurting yourself or others. I'm not a licensed therapist, and this show and the station are not endorsing any remedies or products. The purpose of this show is to destigmatize depression through storytelling. You can find a link to mental health services on downtownradio.org on the About KTDT page. To listen to the podcast, or if you're interested in being on the show, contact us at www.thedepressionsession.com. You've been listening to The Depression Session on Downtown Radio Tucson with music by Septa Helix. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at The Depression Session Podcast. Thank you.